Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Welcome, everyone, to the spotlight here on Fightful. Shout out to Big Dick MLJ, who got buried by Speedball Mike Bailey on his Twitch stream uh, the other day. We'll talk about Bailey and Gage a little bit later on on the show. But yeah, Speedball was burying Emil on the Twitch stream. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, looking forward to this Thursday, talking to you some wrestling, and then uh, have a shoot job and chilling afterwards but feeling feel pretty good man uh how about you i know you've had some 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 technical difficulties this morning that's how we started a little late but uh yeah, apologies everybody my computer didn't want to cooperate with things uh this morning and uh also apologies not apologizing for airing an interview that sean rossap did with carrie morton that took place uh, a little while ago i think it honestly took place sometime last year um but apologies that we don't have a, a new fresh interview for everybody i've been going through some stuff this week and my head hasn't been into a, a lot of things so uh, that's on me i yeah my, my head hasn't been into stuff personal stuff that i'm trying to deal with and get through and uh, it is what it is when when i feel the time is right to let everybody know kind of what's going on i will let everyone know what's going on and tell them the people who know and who matter uh they know and i appreciate their support and everything but it's on me that we didn't have an interview this week but fortunately we do have an interview sean did with carrie morton that he wanted us to to run um uh queued up later on for the show all right let's let's get into things jensen we got we got a lot to talk about and we're behind because my computer decided to be a dick there we go. Let's start with Steven Jensen's favorite topic in the entire world. Do you want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. 
the moment Sami Zayn lost at WWE Elimination Chamber. I don't even think the referee's hand had counted three when Steven Jensen messaged me and said, my WWE topic this week is Sami Zayn losing. The three count wasn't even fresh. The mm-hmm. fallout didn't even happen. And Jensen was so excited to bury Sami Zayn and champion Cody Rhodes as he heads into WrestleMania for his clash mm-hmm. against Roman Reigns. Jensen, go ahead. Go ahead and continue to throw dirt on the grave of Samuel Zayn. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I, I was I was queued up and ready to message you that, but I was I was nervous, man. I mean, <laughs> that crowd was obviously extremely behind Sammy. Um, it was his hometown, Montreal, Canada. Uh, there are things about the match that I think they want to say it right now. Like it all ties together. I think that that <clears throat> I think that the whoever was in charge of the creative decisions for um, Elimination Chamber for that main event they were massive cowards when it came to Jey Uso. Like, they should have for sure turned him there. So, like, I think that that, along with... Because, like, Sammy losing, you knew the crowd was going to be deflated to a degree, right? I mean, like, he's losing in front of his hometown. They're going to be bummed out. But if Jay would have turned, I think that softens the blow a little bit. And then, like, when Sammy hits that halluva kick at the end of the night, like, maybe it, the pop's bigger. Maybe when Owens comes out, the pop's even bigger. I don't know. But it just really felt like jay not turning was like a giant miss in that match for me um that said you know kevin o or sorry Sami Zayn losing obviously huge for for cody rhodes fans because now like it's him he's the one i mean you gotta you gotta do the work y'all you gotta do the work oh Um, god i you know i are you implying are you implying Sami Zayn did not do the work over the past few months with the bloodline storyline he did, he did that work, but the work that the WWE is going to need is not just that, and not just good storylines, not just, you know, a champion to be a face of their company on the show. They're also going to need that guy who's going to be on all the talk shows, who's going to be out there promoting the brand with the title belts. Like, that's Cody. Like, Cody is like, that. that's, it's clear that Cody, the, the torch, the torch is being passed to Cody. He's the face of the company until they can find somebody new. It'll probably be a little while before they find whoever that person's supposed to be. So yeah, it's, it's just it's just it is what it is, everybody. For somebody like myself who is a lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan, you know they've never won the Super Bowl. I've been a Cody Rhodes fan since you know since we went to high school together back in early back in two thousand two. Like I, I was a you know I'm I'm a Cody Rhodes guy through and through. This really feels like me finally about to win a championship here. Like, I really feel like I've never felt this confident about the Vikings ever winning a Super Bowl, but I'm very confident Cody's going to win the championship from Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. So, like, I'm I'm here for it. He's definitely he's the right guy. He's the right choice. And look, Sammy and Kevin Owens winning the tag team titles over the Usos at WrestleMania, it's still a big moment. The, the, the story is still clearly Cody, Sammy, and Kevin taking down the bloodline. They talked about that on Monday where they threw out the idea in the middle of the ring of them teaming together again. And Kevin rejected it, but clearly the story for the next few weeks heading into WrestleMania is going to be them reuniting as a tag team and beating the Uthos for the tag titles. So, like, the fans are going to get the bloodline getting taken down story either way. I think Sami Zayn's going to beat Roman Reigns non-title before Roman takes a break. Like, I think Roman might, like, maybe lose to Cody at WrestleMania, then maybe lose on the next pay-per-view to Sami or something, and then he's gone for a while. 
Um, so Sammy can still beat Roman. It won't mean as much for Roman, obviously, but they got to get the title on Cody. He's the one. So I'm very happy with the results of the Elimination Chamber here. Shy Tom Spurs says, Cody is the industry plant, the corporate chosen one. Sammy is the people's champ. Steven hates the people. True. All facts right there. All facts that you hate the people, Stephen. I don't hate the people. Listen, I was one of those people. WrestleMania 30, I was there in the crowd in New Orleans doing the yes chance for, for Daniel Bryan to win the title, right? Like I was, you know, I'm with the people. I was there at WrestleMania 33 when the Hardys returned in Orlando. I was there with the people. I was doing the, you know, doing the thing with everybody when, when the Hardys came out. I mean, I was there. I was like, I was like the new day up there. Like, so no, it's just, listen, go, Sammy's name. We've all, we've all, we all get it. I think we all get it. It's just there's some fans that really want to just hang on to the idea of Sammy winning that title. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad idea. I'm just saying what there's nothing wrong with having your current day Mick Foley level guy who like Mick Foley won the title. And I think Sammy Zayn still at some point could win the title, but he doesn't need it. He's over. He's a massive baby face. He doesn't have like the traditional look of like the face of their company. And he's going to be, like if they, if, I guess the biggest fear would be that he gets lost in like mid card hell if he becomes a tag team champion and like all this kind of is for nothing. I understand that 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 for sure, but that never happened to Danielson, really. You know what I mean? Like he got over and he stayed he got hurt. He, got, he hurt. got hurt and he lost the title, and then he got the Intercontinental title the next Mania, and then he got hurt again, and then True. and then Co- and then Kofi kind of suffered after big time like he never oh, Kofi that same level yeah so never that, mind. I, take, I take that back well, well Danielson <laughs> though the, the perception of Danielson Big E Big E went right back to uh the tag team division after losing when you lose the Brock though maybe Roman yeah has. a lot of people have lost the Roman though have just kind of been falling into the mid card after the Roman feud yeah well so the, the Danielson comparison though is he did get hurt obviously but like he never like he's always been over since then. Like he never dropped, and he was always like a challenge for the title or one of the titles. It felt like, but but Kofi is a good example of like I guess what the fear would be is like Kofi Mania was obviously a big thing for a while, and he got the title and won it at WrestleMania, and that's a very similar trajectory of what people want from Sami Zayn. It seems like like you win the title, we want it, we're we're begging for it, we're behind you, like we're rallying, give it to Sami Zayn. <clears throat> but WWE sitting there in the back, especially, by the way, if Vince is getting involved in creative again, which I said from day one, he was going to, because why wouldn't he? Because he owns the company. Like, he's going to do whatever he wants. How do people not get that, by the way? Like, he owns the company. He can do whatever he wants. He can go to creative. He can do whatever he wants in the company. Get it through everyone's head. Like, you got to just accept it. And and he, Cody's his guy. Sami Zayn isn't. And by the way, Bray Wyatt's not his guy either. He made that really clear the first, you know, when, when this was there before. Like, there's a lot of these people that I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what their future looks like with Vince back. But Cody got hired with Vince back. I think they're sticking to Cody. They're making it really clear, like they're they're committed to it. He's their next champion. So, but I will say this: listen, to for Sami Zayn to accomplish what he accomplished up to this point is incredibly impressive. Like to go from. Um, Last year, some bands, listen, I people enjoyed the Johnny Knoxville match. I'm not that. I'm just saying, like, you went from comedy jackass storyline jobbing to Knoxville at WrestleMania to now the majority of the fan base 
wants you to win the world title at WrestleMania and beat a guy who hasn't been pinned in three years. Like that's pretty incredible that you that they that he has gotten himself to that point to be that incredible of a title challenger heading into WrestleMania and barely lost to the champion at Elimination Chamber. So, you know, that's that, that's a win in itself. Even though he didn't become the champion, because once again, what if he became the champion? Then what? You just lose it to Cody at WrestleMania. You lose it to Roman yes. again in a couple weeks. No. Why can't he lose it? Why can't he lose it to Cody at WrestleMania? They were cowards. They were absolute cowards at uh, Elimination Chamber because they didn't put the title on Sami Zayn. Not because they turned or they didn't turn Jey Uso, which was also kind of a cowardly move. At least Kevin Owens saved that a little bit the next night. Uh, and there's still a thread between Owens, Zayn, and Jey Uso. So at least there was that. But they, they were cowards for that. They were cowards for not playing the title on Sami Zayn. They should have had the title on Sammy. They should have Jay turn on Roman. He should have hit Roman with the chair. Sammy should have won. And then you do Sammy and Cody at WrestleMania. And you can do Jay and Roman at WrestleMania. And you can do Kevin and Solo at WrestleMania. Or Kevin can find somebody and Kevin and somebody against Solo. Roman's wronged a bunch of people. You can find I'm not I I'm not the 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 riddleist guy in the world, but he could have teamed with Kevin and then they could have faced Jimmy. And solo, they could have <laughs> the, done the, that. the riddlest guy in the world. I just caught the, how you said that. It's hilarious. I'm not the riddlest guy in the world. I've people probably would have. People probably would have hated that, yeah. and I would understand for the the reasons that they would hate it. But on television, no, he's a great. He's a great character for their for their show. As far as like what he is, for like a PG show, and like the like on like as a wrestling character, I, I get it. He's good in the ring. Like I I I get it. I know what you're saying. So there, there's plenty of ways they could have made sense of all of this with, with Sami Zayn winning. But they were cowards to do it. They kept building. They did the video package. They had Michael Cole saying such a special moment. There's something in the air, the atmosphere, blah, 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 blah. And then Sami just loses. Like, he just mm-hmm. lost. And it, again, at least Kevin Owens saved it the, the following night with why he was so late on the save. Uh, why he came out when he when he came out, why they didn't really turn Jay Uso, but it was a cowardly move. They the momentum was behind Sami Zayn. And I said it leading up to Elimination Chamber. Sometimes you've just gotta take that momentum and you've gotta capitalize on it. I understand the story they want to tell with Cody beating Roman, and that's the big victory for Cody Rhodes. You know what? Cody Rhodes was out and someone else got massively fucking over and they did the match in montreal in the one of the top atmospheres you're ever gonna find in wrestling and sometimes because wrestling is unscripted or it's scripted but because you can deviate from your plans plans change that's the that's the old adage right because you can deviate from that and because you tell us all the time we listen to our audience it's real-time feedback we can do it's not like a television show where you have your season mapped out and then, oh, maybe after the third episode, people aren't feeling this, so you can change it in the fourth episode. Because you you see the online uh, Mm -hmm. banter, and it's like, oh, wow, they aren't feeling the story at all. Fourth episode, no, you've already shot, you've already written your your script. You can change it. You can change it based on this real-time feedback. And instead of doing that, they actually did treat it like a television show. Like, you know what? Even though all the fans want this, and even though we have this moment, that we can create even and even though we can still make sense of all this we're just going to keep we've already we've already decided this is our plan 
but we're just going to keep rolling with it. I get it. Cody's the guy. They want Cody to beat Roman and that be the, the big in boss for Cody Rhodes. They're still doing it. It's not a downgrade for Sammy and Kevin to win the titles at WrestleMania uh, to win the tag team titles against the Usos. That should main event night one. I've said it. The story is still there. There's still a lot of meat on that story. It's still disappointing. It's still, they still had a chance there and they were still cowardly for not doing it. And I will stand by that. I, I totally get it. The, like, I, obviously I, I like, I kind of tongue in cheek troll quite a bit when it comes to like my fandom of Cody. I'm a massive fan. I want him to be the champion. I want him to be the face of the company. He's the main reason I'm interested in the WWE at all right now. Um, but I do. I get it. I get Sami Zayn's massively over a lot of most of the fan base seems seem to want everyone in Montreal, of course, wanted to see him win. Ariel Hawani's out there um, broadcasting from the crowd. And that was funny. The whole everything that happened based off of that just hilarious because I'm a big I'm a big Tony Khan fan and I'm a big Ariel Hawani fan. So seeing those guys go at it is like a, 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 a matchup I've never expected to, to ever happen yeah, in my lifetime. Stupid. It is, but it's just like it's so weird seeing those worlds interact because like both of them should grow up. Well, but but it's just so. Well, no, I I agree with that, but I'm just saying like seeing so many wrestling fans who are like just now discovering who Ariel Hawani is, and then seeing like all these MMA fans who are like seeing how the wrestling fans react to it. Just like it's just wild how like somehow Ariel Hawani got in the middle of all of this. Um, but um, but no, I do I get it. I get I get the desired for i'm not saying it was a bad i well cody's the guy i wanted to be cody but like i get that a lot of people wanted to see sammy Zayn win the title in montreal and it would have been a great moment i mean it, it, the way that it was the way that things worked out with it being there and him being as over as he is and like the stars aligned to where there was a really rare opportunity to put the title on sammy Zayn and have a really huge moment um so yeah i mean i I, I understand the disappointment from a lot of the fan base. Massively disappointing, Steven Jensen. And by the way, that promo on Monday with Cody and Heyman, I think they were cowardly there because I think they were going to get Sammy reactions. And so they had Heyman come in there with the cutting off Sammy immediately. And then the they aired it on the Titantron. That wasn't good. They, if this is the direction they're going with this, they got to change course very quickly. I got no desire to hear Paul Heyman. I lost interest. Like I walked away from the television on Monday during Heyman's promo when he's talking about you got to be on the road all of this time. It's like Roman Reigns, he's the least person on the road as the champion. Cody's already on the road this much. They don't do that many live events and stuff. Anyway, I came back and I missed half of what else he said, but based on the recap and stuff, he's talking about like, I'll keep Brandy Rhodes warm. Like I'm supposed to believe that Paul Heyman is going to be there for Brandy. Brandy Rhodes would kick the shit out of Paul Heyman. All right. Cody's got nothing to worry about on that. If I'm Cody Rhodes, I laugh at this and said, Cody got angry. Like, Oh, it's getting in my head. Now he's going to be there for my wife. And I'm not going to be there for my wife and kids. Like Cody or Brandy. She, she needs to come out and be the, it ain't open night night bitch time again. Uh, Brandy can take care of herself. 
on this. The kid part is the more interesting part because then you can relate it to Dusty and he was how he wasn't there and everything, even though he was there for Cody, as you pointed out many times. Yeah. That's more than like, oh, I'm going to keep things warm with Brandy. Like Brandy will beat the shit out of Paul Heyman. So <laughs> I they got to whenever Roman and Cody interact, I think that'll be good. That shit on Monday, no interest in that. Absolutely no interest in this little personal whatever they're trying with uh Heyman and, and Cody and you got to be on the road all the time and be the champion and Cody already does that already does all that stuff the title ain't gonna change that for him yeah no I agree and and I've seen and heard similar feedback about people not liking the back and forth between Heyman and Cody this week so you're definitely not alone there uh especially because the week before was so good in my opinion like between the two we talked about it that last week yeah um I think also a part of it is that people are really ready now to get Roman and Cody face to face. Like we don't need, we, we, we know where Cody and Heyman stand with one another. Now, like, let's get, I want to hear Roman talking shit about Cody leaving. You know what I mean? I want to hear, like, I want them to get into it now. Like the two of them, I want them to get personal with each other. Um, Cody coming back to, you know, win his championship, like them having to go outside the company to find someone to beat him. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, I don't think they're going to go there, but like just they can hint to it or whatever. They're going to hint to AEW. Apparently, Cody's going to wear uh, like a, a belt that has all these indie company logos and stuff on it, or, or at least has like uh, some some sort of artwork that has to do with this indie run and stuff. So like it's, I'm, so I guess that's kind of what part of it too is. Not only was the the actual material of the Paul Heyman Cody back and forth this Monday, it just it wasn't my cup of tea either because like you said, like. I know Cody or that, that Dusty was there for Cody. Um, and that's the thing. Heyman even like tried to get a rap. He was clever about it, but he was like, he even said something like you, we all know that Dusty wasn't there for Dustin or whatever. Like, but like, cause he, you can't say he wasn't there for Cody cause he was. So like there is this. And, and I feel like Brandy does have to make an appearance at some point too, as well, based on like, she should kick Paul Heyman in the <laughs> dick when she appears. That's all I want to see. Hit him with the spear. That was her no, move. just a just a kick to the dick. I you know Brandy. Yeah. Brandy doesn't need to be putting herself in any more danger than that. Swift kick to the dick. Walk out. There you go. That's it. So uh, uh, just, so yeah. Just I, anyway, his... I agree about it. it. It wasn't a great. It wasn't a great promo. This, but I want to see Roman and Cody now, like face to face. Let's go. Just Masters Wrestling says, "Do you think Vince may have been more willing to deviate and put Sammy over than Triple H was?" Genuine? No, not at all. Maybe the opposite. Not. I yeah, think I think I, I think Triple H would be more likely to to strap up Sammy than Vince, especially if Vince, if Vince has already chosen Cody. Yeah, like I, I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think Vince I, for, I don't think Sammy's in this position if Vince was still there. Sammy's same. even kind of hinted at that is that like yeah the story probably wouldn't have gone on this long if Vince was still there. I don't think he's even in this position. So this is a comment that, that I've seen a lot. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, unfortunately, Sammy couldn't win because of the Saudis. There's no way the Saudi Arabia P, uh, PIF potentially being buyers of WWE, they, they would accept a wrestler of Syrian descent as the champ. I've seen that comment a lot. Sammy would have held the title from Elimination Chamber to WrestleMania. All right? If that's going to scare you off of buying the company, then one, good, fuck off. Like We don't need Saudi Arabia probably buying this company anyway because that means vince probably will end up in in more control and everything like but if that's gonna be what it is that's gonna scare you off is Sami Zayn is gonna hold the title for a month and a half and they're not even running a show in saudi 
during that time. And you're probably not even going to make the announcement of a sale until after WrestleMania anyway. Like if that's, what's going to scare you off and that's why triple H didn't do it or whatever, then it's even more cowardly to me. Like, Oh, we're not going to do it because it's going to screw up our, our sale to, to Saudi Arabia. Like, if that's what's going to scare off Saudi Arabia, then you should probably do that anyway because you should scare off Saudi Arabia if they if they won't do it because of that. Well, and imagine if like because I I don't believe that to be the reason either, especially considering, um, if if it's not going to be Sammy, if it's going to be Cody, unless it isn't going to be Cody, if if Roman somehow retains at WrestleMania and I destroy my entire you know condo, yeah, yeah that's but, um, because <clears throat> by that same logic, think about this. Okay, so Sammy's in. You know, they don't want to give it, hypothetically speaking, they don't want to give it to Sami Zayn because he's Syrian, okay? But they're, like, totally cool with the American nightmare, like, Mr. America with a USA flag tattoo, tat- like, he's the champion, like, they're cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if they were going to be like that about, and I'll, let me put it this way, I could see Saudi Arabia being like that. I'm not I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I don't think that Sami Zayn winning, not winning the title had anything to do with that at all. I don't think that that's uh, a part of this because once again, like you wouldn't, I mean, like <laughs> the, the term Cody into the Saudi, the Saudi American nightmare or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like they're, they're not going to like the idea of, a, of Mr. USA being their champion either. If they're buying, you know what I mean? So um, they're not gonna like the idea of women wrestling. They already don't, you know, like there's a lot of issues with the idea of Saudi Arabia taking over the company. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on the idea that it's them either. I'm just saying like, I, but here's the thing that comment though, I'm glad that discussion's out there because I felt, you know, we, I, I had a similar a thought about that when it came to, we talked about it on the show. Like when we talked about Stephanie resigning and I said, one of the things that was in my mind was like, she's a woman and they probably don't want to deal with a woman because that's how they are, you know? And like, so, uh, so I, I understand people having that thought process and considering that. They want the hologram of the. They don't want the hologram. They want the ultimate warrior to be the champion. That's who they're pushing for. That Yokozuna, the the the, the not Yokozuna guy that they had show up at the the Greatest Royal Rumble was the funniest thing yeah. of all time. That guy who was just like some sumo wrestler <laughs> who never who never been on the show, and they're just like, hey, it's 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 not Yokozuna, but you asked for him, so this is pretty close. Yeah. Any closing comments on Sami Zayn? Do you want to? sprinkle the final do you want to salt salt bay the final grave of Sami Zayn here um I'll say once again congratulations for getting yourself so over I mean like it really is impressive especially with the the position he was in at last year's WrestleMania like in one, in one <laughs> you're year- so condescending congratulations on getting golf clap for Sami Zayn congratulations Listen, on getting you, over and still losing you're not Cody Rhodes good job Sammy hey not everyone can be the face of the company right now it just is what it is you've you've built a three-year title run or whatever it is almost a thousand days on roman reigns and they have very meticulously chosen the the person to this and i don't i don't think think regardless of who it was they didn't want anybody winning the title i didn't want anyone beating roman before cody it it wouldn't have mattered who it was because they're cowards speaking of cowardly moves on Friday's episode of SmackDown, Bray Wyatt comes out and he tells Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, run. Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar have a match at Elimination Chamber that Bobby Lashley wins due to disqualification because of a low blow as Brock tried to get out of the hurt lock and then he destroyed Lashley after the match. And then on Monday, 
they had almost challenged Lesnar to a match at WrestleMania. So it looks like the direction is Brock and Omos at WrestleMania and Lashley and Bray, assuming Bray's promo holds from Friday. This is double cowardly here. This is nothing but coward moves because you have you have Brock and Bobby is unfinished from Elimination Chamber. I said it before going into Elimination Chamber before Bray's promo that like I could see this being used to set up like a fight pit match at WrestleMania. And that finish would give the indication that, hey, maybe there's more meat to this and they would do a fight pit at WrestleMania. But now they're pivoting to Brock and Omos and I guess Bray and Lashley. This is this is all stupid. I don't like any of this. I was looking forward, by the way, to Bray and Brock. Brock and the Brayverse reacting to all the stuff that Bray does. And then they get the Cinnamon Toast Crunch Jimmy John's uh, Crunchy Meat Match at WrestleMania. Mm. I was looking forward to that as well. It, this is cowardly booking here. I got no interest in Brock and Omos. Cool visual. Omos has already lost to Lashley. He's already lost to Braun. This guy's got no credibility with me. It, cool visual. Great. You don't want to beat this guy and pretend he's a giant so long when he can't actually win, when he can't actually win matches. Cowards. Okay, so I'll say this. What you just said is very important, the last part, because we have seen Omos lose to Lashley. We've seen Omos lose to Strowman. We saw Omos eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Strowman uh, just a few weeks ago. That said, I do like Omos a lot. Like, for a guy his size, I think he moves around well, like, in comparison to, like, Great Khali and, like, other guys that they've tried to push that are, like, legitimate giants the only one who's like the outliers is the the big show like for the way that that guy can move in the longevity of his career people really underrate because he's been so overexposed we've seen him for so long but like to be his size and be that good for that long and be that good good in the ring and stuff is he's literally like once in a lifetime for his size now omos once again i actually do like omos i unironically like omos and people think i'm trolling like once again, I, I I I think that he just it's just a rare opportunity. A guy that looks like that, who has immediate credibility with a casual fan, like you see him and you're just like, who beats that guy? You know what I mean? Like just just on the looks test alone, and he can move okay for a guy his size. Um, you know, for the things he needs to do. Um, I wouldn't have had him lose to Strowman, especially if he's going to be wrestling Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, like you said, it will be a cool visual seeing Brock f five the guy. Um, but the other stuff is really more concerning to me, honestly. Like, I'm not that concerned about Brock. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but The question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. 
You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Because I think, you know, it's... Brock, I, I tweeted about this. Brock's like the best worker of all time because he, he gets paid more than everybody. He has the same match every time and does nothing but finishers and special moves. That's it. He comes out with like his special meter full or like loaded finishers like in the video game. He comes out and he just does the same thing every time. And then the results may be different. Like he either F5 someone and pins them, puts them in a Kimura or something weird happens or he decues himself. Like it's just, but it's, it's all the same match. And He'll just do that with Omos. Like Omos will will choke him a few times, and he might power like power bomb him or choke slam or whatever. Uh, Brock's gonna hit him with like two or three F fives and a bunch of suplexes, and like you know maybe put him through the announce table. Brock is suplexing or F fiving this man. Oh, he that will. Many times. That's the whole point. Oh yeah, maybe just once. Maybe let's run up to him, F five him. That's it. I mean, but the yeah. whole the whole idea is that Brock's going to be picking this guy up and throwing him. Like that's the whole the whole thing. So like. The other side of this is almost has got to almost has got to like sell and stuff for this guy a little bit because, uh, you know, Randy, I mean, almost has improved since uh, last year. Randy Orton was burying this dude for his inability to, to like sell and, and, and take everything and also not being appreciative when others are selling their ass off for you. So hopefully almost yeah. has, has learned that lesson from Orton just burying the man. There you go. So, but also he may not have to sell a whole lot if, he, if Brock just like picks him up, throws him a couple times, and pins him. You know, because I don't think it's gonna be like super competitive. This a mat, this match might be three minutes long, like maybe. You know, but Should be happening. But well, I'll, the other the other thing you brought up about this the the true the true spotlight um, of this discussion. So so it looks like it's gonna be Bray Wyatt versus versus Bobby Lashley is that that's where it's heading right that's like that's where it's what it seems I mean Lashley said I mean Bray said he was gonna go after the winner Lashley right. won so by getting hit in the dick right and then well <laughs> right nobody won and 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 yeah. like and, and things definitely aren't over between Brock and Bobby so I still was assuming they were still gonna get to WrestleMania and, and like Omos might be a red herring a lot of people think that he might just be like a diversion um but listen we'll just go based on like face value right now where things are heading based on what we've seen and heard Imagine you're Bobby Lashley, legitimate MMA fighter, legitimate, you know, army amateur wrestler, all this stuff, right? Like, I mean, legit as it gets. Um, and, and this this goes actually even more so for Brock. I, I you, you you can take Brock or Bobby, and you can you can apply this to either of them. Brock obviously had the more 
accomplished MMA run and stuff like that. Like I put Brock on even a little bit higher level, but this, this goes for both because it could have been either of them. The, the idea was Bray gets the winner of Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. And all I'm thinking to myself is like, for one, I was like, well, it won't be Brock. Cause there, cause I think that oh, I thought it was going to be more likely to be Brock. Well, because it's, because I think they're, they're going to have a hard time with what I'm about to say with Bobby anyways, but with Brock, it would have been twice as hard because of his leverage. Imagine you're, you're backstage with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley and you're, you're Triple H or, and you're standing there with Bray and you're like, all right, Brock, um, I mean, you go out there and sell for Uncle Howdy. This is not going to happen. Like Brock Lesnar is not going to go out there and, and take take Sister Abigail's from from Uncle Howdy and run away from dolls and and be scared of of, of magic. Like you no, know. hey, laugh. Brock would sell the shit out of this. Brock rules in that aspect because Brock doesn't care. Brock knows his value, his worth, his character, his persona. Brock knows he's super like protected on this stuff and he can get away with basically anything he wants to do. He can laugh at it. He can just chuck the dolls around like Brock can do all that stuff and it can be great. Lashley, they've actually protected a little bit, especially during triple H's run. They protected him and like him actually trying to do this. I don't buy it as much. Like I, I just don't see it as much when it comes uh, compared to compared to Brock. And we can't, we can't forget Brock and Bray were supposed to feud in 2016 they set that up at the rumble it was supposed to be brock and the wyatt family they changed plans brock ended up feuding with ambrose and he clearly had no interest in that based on that wrestlemania match so he didn't want to do that shit at all i think brock like actually kind of likes bray and doesn't mind doing some of this stuff because he is so comfortable in doing this stuff and brock just has a sense of credibility and aura and protection around him even from the fan base where they understand like oh it's brock lesnar like he can laugh at this stuff he can he can just get away with doing whatever he needs to do and it's fine because it's brock lesnar i don't think lashley has that built-in protection like that they're trying they're trying a little bit with lashley but i don't i don't think he he has it because brock we saw it at, at um at elimination chamber he loses by kicking the dude and, and fans are pissed off. And then he just destroys some shit. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar, this rules. Like that's all he's got to do in a Bray feud is like, oh, he can like sell for Uncle Howdy or whatever. Then you can just get up and, and take the Mountain Dew and just chuck it into, you know, the audience and stuff. And the crowd's just going to pop for it. They just love Brock like destroying and doing shit like that. So he can get away with this stuff. I, Lashley doesn't have that credibility yet. And I'm not sure if he ever will, but I wouldn't put Lashley in that position because then it has the chance to come off as very Seth Rollins ish, where if you're trying to sell for, you know, scary stuff, you, you just end up looking like a complete dork. And that that's a concern. I don't know where this is going with Lashley. I don't like it. I think they've done a good job of protecting Lashley and making him out to look like a badass. So if he's going to sell it like Brock and laugh and just destroy shit afterwards, maybe he can pull it off. And that'll work. I'm a little concerned that Lashley can pull this off, though, because we've seen Lashley do like kind of comedy stuff, and it hasn't been good. Hasn't been good at all. Promos, it's like promos just in general aren't good. So like his back and forth conversations with Bray and stuff, like this is not going to be 
Remember when they had like his sisters and stuff? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. continue. You're we're on the same page here. Yeah. Oh, I, like unless Leo Leo Rush is going to return and and Leo can save a lot of that stuff. I don't I don't think that's actually going to happen. We're just pairing back with uh, MVP. Why did they even stop that? Well, that's that's sort of like maybe this is blended in somehow. So here's oh, what we that's, get. yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I, I was thinking that maybe too. Yeah. Here's what we get. We get the hurt business reuniting against brock and bray give me the brock and bray dream team baby this is what we need brock is part of the circle six whatever the wyatt six whatever the hell they call themselves this is what we need we need brock in the mask and everything you think this brock lesnar is dangerous wait until bray wyatt has control over this man and he really ain't selling shit and he now he has mythical powers and he's lighting people on fire just by staring at him. He shoots swords out of his eyes. That Wait. chest, that that tattoo on his chest, it comes to life. He just grabs his chest and pulls out a real sword. And he starts decapitating people. This is wow. what we need, baby. Hold on, Jeremy. Have we ever seen Uncle Howdy and Brock Lesnar at the same place at the same time? That's true. That's true. We haven't. I don't think we have. What if? <laughs> what if? Uncle Howdy is Bray is that is, is actually Brock Lesnar and Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel are still involved, but they're actually Ramblin' Rabbit and Mercy the Buzzard. Oh, if, dude, man. the only way that this would be good is if Brock versus if Brock versus Bray happened, the only outcome that I'm okay with is Brock completely just murders the entire fun house. Like he, like, like all these people dressed up in puppet costumes, he's just throwing them through walls and like, yeah, and just, this and is he, all great. Yeah. I mean, if, if he, if he just destroyed everything, if he basically ended, if he, if he ended Bray Wyatt completely on the television, that would be a, uh, you know, but, but I, but they, this whole, this whole, like, because he's going back to like the fun house and all this stuff. Like they didn't, uh, yeah. It's just not good. I need I need good. Brock in this universe so bad because Brock is such an over-the-top comic book character looking dude anyway that I need him in this entire comic horror universe. I need it. Absolutely need it. And yeah. Triple H is a coward once again for not going in this direction. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I think it's going to be just as entertaining for just the cringiest reasons with, with it being Bobby versus uh, Bray, because I, I can just imagine, remember when, remember when Bobby was new and he had that promo against, uh, against uh, Finley. You remember that when he called him a bastard? Yeah. And everyone, and everyone laughed. Like I, I just imagine like that with this bright, like against Bray Wyatt with like the, the, the goofy funhouse puppets and stuff. Like this is just, and I think Bobby's an actor. He's going to sell it like he's scared. I do. I really do. Um, yeah, like I think Brock might, that. but but that's what I'm afraid of. If they have, if See, they because because they had they had Shayna Baszler running away from dolls. <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> and she's more credible in MMA than than Bobby. That was stupid. They. See, Brock could sell like the big bug eyes and everything. Like he'd sell it so good. He's so good at selling. Like in the ring, in, in vignettes and promos and stuff. He's so good at selling. That's why I need Brock 
in this. I don't think I don't know if Lashley can pull it off. I really don't, and that's why I'm concerned with it. Yeah. And, and not not as excited for Bray Listen, and Lashley to do this well, nonsense. One other thing that I want to bring up just really quickly is I don't know if we ever talked about it. And I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody in the chat or you, Jeremy, if you saw it, but I think, so I watched the, it was a SmackDown after, um, after what was the pay-per-view that, oh, I guess it was Royal Rumble, the one that they did with the, uh, with the Mountain Dew match. Yeah. Um, it was like SmackDown. So they, they interviewed LA Knight. Yeah. Like backstage interview. And they were less like talking about, you know, you just went through this traumatizing experience with Bray, like however they worded it, right? Like what's next for you or whatever? Like, how do you feel coming off of this feud? Like after this match with, with the fiend or whatever. And he was just like, moving on, pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, that's probably the best way to, to, to come out of a Bray Wyatt feud, to be honest. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a death trap. Like you either lose and it's so well, you're gonna probably lose, and it's gonna be so goofy and career killing through it through the process. I'm really the best way you can handle it is to just completely no sell, pretend like it didn't happen, move on with your career, and just hope everyone forgets about it fast. So I, I give LA Knight a lot of credit for just saying, or uh, yeah, LA Knight a lot of credit just for just being like, yeah, what are you talking about? All right, I'm just gonna who's next. I mean, Bray yeah. and Uncle Howdy were the same thing because they did that recap of the pitch black Mountain Dew match. And then we see like Bray watching it and here comes Uncle Howdy. And I guess they're they're friends now, even though they weren't friends. And you know, that, that, that whole thing's been disjointed. But hey, Bray man. Thanks for jumping <laughs> off of that thing and missing completely, man. We see those fireworks. Those Dude, fireworks? Bray is the smartest worker of all time. Yeah, yeah I mean, Uncle Howdy do it. Yeah, he he ain't gotta do shit. Has, has an avatar to, to fight for him. Is the smartest worker of all time. Pop Pop Brock uh Pausing. That's a good name. Uh let's move on to our AEW spotlights. Uh over a million fans uh and a great number in the demo tuned in. It was a great show. And I think it's been a run of great shows been a while since they've had over a million fans i might have to change this drop here uh in the next couple of weeks am i lying am i i'm i'm spitting (laughs) facts of their ratings it hasn't been indicative of the shows maybe the last couple of weeks yeah last week last night was good though last night was good yeah last night was fine that was pretty Uh, good it was, it was better, better, than better than last week. week. Yeah, yeah. Last week wasn't good at all. But before that, they were on a great run of shows. Still haven't been pulling a million in a while. Uh, last night, let's start with the world title program between MJF and Brian Danielson. Danielson comes out. And he once again, he didn't get to say a whole lot. He kind of brings up Regal and the, the whole thing with MJF turning on him. And then MJF comes out and explains why he hates Brian Danielson. And he hates him because Brian Danielson has a family, and instead of spending time with that family, which is all MJF wants, he wants a family of his own, but his fiance has left him. And instead of spending time with his family, he goes to wrestling despite all of his concussions and everything. And he feels that uh, Danielson is trying to take away the title, which is what means so much to him. And if he did not have the title he would take a bunch of pills and then he shouts out Brian Danielson's kids, Bertie and Buddy, and said he's going to destroy their father and he's going to make sure that he spends time with him and he's going to give him permanent CTE 
and then Danielson and him finally fight. Danielson hits him with a great forearm. They have a big pull-apart brawl, everything. Jensen, where are you at on this? Because a lot of mixed reactions, as MJF has been drawing online with these promos that he's been cutting. What do you think of this one? So, first of all, you missed probably the biggest part of all of this. Um, and you can replace the Tony Khan soundbite if you want to, because on record, last night, during AEW Dynamite, MJF himself on the microphone said... Brian Danielson is a, what do you say? A massive fan of the spotlight, something like addicted. that. Addicted, addicted to the spotlight. He's addicted yes. to the spotlight. So. Well, Brian, since you're addicted there. to this Thanks show, watching. please return my DMS and emails. I would like to do a podcast with you. I've already sent out my entire pitch. Maybe I should retweet it. Yeah. He uh, told Matt Kuhn straight up that he'd replace me to do an, a, a show with Danielson. So that's a, uh, yeah. I look once Danielson and I get our show, I ain't doing this silly show anymore. I ain't doing any more shows. I'm gonna live cool. off that Danielson cool. money. Cool. Me and me and Cody will start our own show. It's fine. That's hey, look, that, that'll pay a lot better than this one does with me. I promise you. <laughs> the show with Cody Rhodes is paying a lot better than the show with Jeremy Lambert. I'm I'm letting everybody no. know right now. Well, me and Jeremy are gonna never stop doing this show. It's gonna go on forever. Um, but um but yeah, I'm that, that that beyond them mentioning the spotlight, which was cool. They mentioned it a few times. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm fine. Listen, the only issue I think that I think anyone would have with this Danielson and, and MJF stuff is that like, they just got they got to get to the pay per view. So it just kind of like almost not dragging at this point, but it's like we, we didn't really need to see any of what we saw last night. I felt like we're already like I'm already there. Like I already want to see the match. Um, MJF's already injured Danielson and hired people to injure him. And like the story has already been told. The heat's already there. They already hate each other. I already wanted to see Danielson go after the title. The Danielson fans already want to see him win the title. The MJF fans like already like what he's doing. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's just, it feels like we're already there. So like anything else just kind of feels like filler at this point, which kind of felt like last night. Cause that seemed outside of the promo, which, you know, it was, it was okay. The, the the kind of the, the overall substance of it was really like we've seen that a thousand times a pull away brawl between two guys heading into a pay per view that just kind of that felt like that's part well sure but I'm I'm when in Danielson especially at the end when he like came around the ring and hit MJF with like that running forearm yeah you're like you like he killed him but uh but but that's kind of my whole point is just kind of like we're already there we already want to see it the story's already been told we just got to get to the pay per view so this was just kind of a way to like get them, you know, getting hands on each other beforehand and just, you know, trying to hype it up a little bit more, it felt like. Danielson should have kicked the shit out of him earlier because the man says, I'm going to kick the shit out of you if you mention my kids. And then he stood in the ring as MJF speaks directly to his kids. He should have jumped out of the ring right then and hit MJF. Didn't like that part of it. As far as MJF's promos goes, I've seen a lot of discourse with this stuff. One, First first thing, biggest thing to me, stop mentioning suicide. Please stop saying that I would kill myself if I didn't have this and stuff. As as someone who has tried suicide, I don't need to hear. And tried, tried it by pills uh, as well. I don't need any of this stuff, okay? Like, just if, if you really feel that way, and I understand he's playing a character, but there's some reality blended into a lot of MJF's character. If you really feel that way and you have this much of issue with everything, you need therapy, not an AEW show. 
Like that's that's what you need right now. Um, so please stop mentioning that. I don't think that's good heat. I don't think that's I, I just don't think it's good in general. I don't it's not good. It's not for me. It's definitely not for me. Um sure. I, I, I just don't think it's good in general. As far as MJF goes with his different stories, every single feud feels very redundant with MJF. And I will give him a lot of credit for the way he emotes, the way he talks, the the highs and lows that he can take people on. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. I think he's a very good speaker. I don't like that every feud is, let me say why you disappoint me and relate it to some personal trauma that I'm going through. Again, get therapy, not, not an AEW television show. You know, CM Punk, here's how you disappointed me. William Regal, here's how you disappoint me. Cody, Jericho, Danielson, here's why you disappoint me and now beat a bunch of people uh, in order to face me. It's every single feud with MJF. Whether it makes sense or not, like there are real life aspects into the MJF feuds. And I think that's what he is very good at. The CM Punk stuff was great when he drew on the real life emotion. The William Regal stuff was very good when he drew on the real life emotion. The Cody, the Jericho stuff was eh, whatever. Um, the Cody stuff was good. I, I don't I think for for the majority of this, it hasn't been it hasn't been my cup of tea with, with the these stories. Like, and this is where I think it's good when he relates it to wrestling stuff. The Danielson stuff, he's not really relating it all to wrestling. The the story of the roadhead and the crash, like I that was right. unnecessary to sure. me. The story now with Danielson and his family and everything, he tried to relate it to wrestling of like, you keep coming back to wrestle, like just go spend time with your family. That's what I want and everything. If that's what you want, quit talking about banging rats and motorboating and all of this stuff. Just, and I guess he said, he said, like, I tried to make a woman my wife and, and she left me. Like, all right, well, again, maybe don't talk about banging rats and all of this stuff, but more effort into the relationship if, if that's what the issue is here. MJF can be a little bit all over the place with that stuff. But the crux of it, the paint by numbers almost of MJF is villain origin story relating to whatever this feud is, however you got to draw it out, beat a bunch of people in order to get a match for me. I think there's just other ways you can go with a lot of this stuff. Like this is an Iron Man match, right? I think there are just better ways you can go to try to do this Iron Man match. And I guess the story is he's trying to get Danielson off of his game. And this is what he does in every single time. Like, make it personal. Get him off their game and everything. But they, it just feels very redundant. And he, he needs, he always, he always does the low-hanging fruit shock value stuff. And it wears thin on me. It just wears thin. I think that's all really fair. I think everything you said is, I think a lot of fans feel that way. And I do to a degree. Like, I think he's a fantastic heel. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Um, but even to be fair, like there's, there's stuff. Cause once again, I watched, I watched most of his indie run pre AEW. So like, I've seen him recycle material from like his indie run into AEW storylines, like, like stories that I've heard him tell and stuff like that. Um, but like, I, I, I totally get that. I really do. Um, there is a lot of, there, there is a lot of, uh, redundancy if that's a real word in a in a it sounds like a real world a real word um in a in his storylines and, and he is better than that now i don't know if uh 
don't know if that's on him. I don't know if that's on, uh, you know, whoever's, you know, really writing or, or the main, because I know there's a lot of collaboration in AEW. Like, it isn't just like a writer or whatever. Like, there's, you know, they're coming up with stuff, the wrestlers, and it's, it's more of a collaboration for sure. But, like, I, because, uh, like, on one hand, you had the, ta- what is it, the Tasks of Jericho, whatever they called it, um, yeah. which I thought was fantastic when they were bringing back people from the wrestle and stuff, like, the wrestle the Hoovy and all that stuff. Like, that was, that was cool. But like, I, uh, I, I totally get, I, I get it. Cause like from here, what I'm assuming he's going to retain over Danielson and then like, who's the next storyline going to be. And I'm assuming it's going to be somebody he has some sort of history with like either one of the pillars or, you know, somebody who's been an AEW for a while. And like, let's get a real story there. Like, like there, there would be no reason for like, I'm not saying it's going to be Darby Allen because I think Darby Allen and Sting have, have their own plans right now. And like Jungle Boy's got Christian and, you know, but whoever winds up being next, like, I hope it just, the feud is based off of personal issues between the two or whatever. Not, I don't well, like see, they, you because they, of this I, and you got to wrestle all these people to fight me. Like that does get old after, after a while. They had the personal issue with Regal and, and MJF. Right, you're and right. Yeah. I'm glad they at least brought that back around last night but he turned on regal that's why danielson came out he was not happy about that i wish they would have blackpool combat club like interact with danielson a little bit it's weird that, that they, they don't it's really they weird just, that they're, yeah yeah they've completely even if it's just like one interaction of like why are you still defending this man type of thing like because now blackpool combat club is even doing like some heelish stuff with, with yuda and claudio being like hey no don't do that Moxley's kind of an in-between guy because everyone loves Hangman and things like that. So you could at least interact with Danielson of like, why are you still defending Regal? You could babyface Danielson more with that kind of stuff. You know, they could relate it to that. MJF, I he shouldn't have wrestled Takeshka. Uh, I think it would have been better if MJF just like didn't wrestle at all. And then the story of is just like Danielson wrestles all the week. He's beat up and everything. He's like, you can't go an hour. Like you haven't proven you can do any of this stuff. And MJF is like, I don't need to do all of that. Like, you, you're so, you're so uh, insidious on going an hour. Like, what happens? You, you, you claim that you're the best wrestler in the world. What happens if I beat you once? What happens if I beat you twice? I'm gonna beat you five times in an hour. Then what? Ha- then how can you claim you are the best? Like, like things like that. You can still tie all of this without needing again just villain origin stories the entire time for me. And I don't. I don't completely dislike that he has these different villain origin stories because it is a thing of like, he seems very lost. He doesn't seem like he knows what he wants. There is a character there for, for people who just think he's like doing this shit ju- just to do it. And just to get shock value. I don't always believe that. I do believe there is a character. There is a, a person who is just very confused and he goes out there and he just doesn't know who he is all the time. Does that mean I like every single shock value promo he does? No. Uh, but I understand that they are trying to, to give a little bit with the origin story on that. But you don't need to do it every single time. Some feuds, you, you just don't need that kind of stuff. They already tell themselves. So I don't need this backstory of Roadhead and taking pills if I didn't have this title. I don't need that stuff. Yeah, I think that's 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 totally fair. I think that, like I said, I think a lot of fans feel the same way you do. And me being a big MJF fan, like I even, I agree with what you're saying. Like a, a lot of that, like, um, 
Like, cause, cause he, once again, he is, he, I, I believe he's good enough to where you could have just real storylines without having to do the, the villain origin stories, as you're saying, like, I, I think that's, those are all really fair points. I think a lot of fans would agree with. Hey, look, and if people like it, more power to them. Honestly, I will say the the crowd was into it last night. The crowd is typically into the MJF stuff. Um, they they pop for it. They ooh and ah and everything. So they seem to enjoy it the majority of the time. And at the end of the day, sort of what matters, right? That's what yeah. matters. And I'm with you um, on the suicide stuff, by the way. Like that's that's probably a line that this is like the second time cross. he's mentioned it. Right? No, too. I no, like, I get it. Yeah, for sure. And, I don't and, need any of that. Yeah, and and then like I didn't put it together until we talked about it on the show, but like the the car crash thing, this that story, like right after Jay Briscoe's actual passing, and so you know what I mean. Like, so there are there are certain lines that like because that's the thing he doesn't even need to cross those lines. Like he could literally no. he could tell any other story that's similar that just doesn't mention that. You know, like it, it, he could still be just as bad of a person without mentioning, um, you know, because. The suicide stuff, you like can, you said, that, that that's a tough one because, like, that's there's a lot of people that watch wrestling that that probably you know what I mean. Like that that's, that's going to strike different, I think, in a lot of ways. It's not a good look. So you can you can literally say like, I have no career, I have no life without this title, and people will just be like, ah, cool. Like it's a wrestling thing. Right. You do not need to literally spell it out. If I didn't have this title, I would do this. Like, all right, now what do we do? Perfect example is like late '90s Triple H. Like he was obsessed with being the WWE champion, WWF champion. Like he like had a, a you know, like he he would do anything to to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin or beat The Rock or whatever to be the the cerebral assassin and to be the the champion because he was obsessed with being the champion. But he would never never mention stuff. Well, I they did a lot of wild stuff in the attitude era. So I don't want to make a, what, an apples to apples comparison or something like that. But my point is like, even in like that story, the game, the, the formation of the game was about being obsessed with being the champion. And it didn't have anything to do, anything to do with like, you know, mental health issue type stuff. So I, I totally get that. Show got off to a hot start. Stephen Jensen as orange Cassidy and Willow. You yes. had a fantastic, fantastic match. Uh, orange Cassidy, ended up being victorious and he wanted the hug from Wheeler Yuta after the match. And Claudio, like a uh, dog owner, said no here now. And Yuta listened. What do you think of this match and the performance of both men? I thought it was great. I love this match. Um, I've been a big Wheeler Yuta guy for a long time too. Same with Orange Cassidy. I remember Orange Cassidy from, man, I remember him a little bit before he was doing this gimmick. Like, he had, like, long hair. He was just, like, a generic, like, wrestler. Like, wrestling in, like, long trunks and stuff. And, like, um, man, like, just seeing the, where these two guys are at now is wild. Um, Yuta, by the way, and Orange Cassidy both had a huge hand in helping develop, uh, like, the popularity of Powerbomb.tv, which became IWTV. Um, those guys, like, really helped, like, carry, like, that brand, in my opinion, when they when they really needed it. Um the, 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 so I've known these guys can wrestle for a long time and, and they're both like Orange Cassidy deserves so much credit for bringing that gimmick onto mainstream television and tweaking it just enough to where because like for people that don't know who don't know most of his like indie run he was mainly he was a lot lazier and it was a lot more comedy based so like he'd do a lot of the stuff that you're used to seeing him doing on AEW TV but it, a lot of these matches would end with him like falling asleep in the ring or like forgetting or not caring or like, or he would, he would eventually like Hulk up or whatever. And like 
fire up or whatever and then like win some matches but like it was he was way more comedy based so in AEW, i think they've done a really good job or he's done a really good job or collectively him and the company whatever whoever is responsible for the package of orange cassidy we see on television each week they've done a really good job of mixing him being a serious wrestler and like beating credible opponents often and that comedy wrestler that got so over on the independent scene so and then Yuta is just a really, really, really damn good in-ring wrestler. Like, there's really nothing else I can say about the guy. Like, he's not overly charismatic. Um, I know that a lot of fans don't really like him that much. It seemed like when Cooked I put MJF on, on the mic in their feud. He did. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and Yuta, um, like, I think it's badass that Yuta is associated with the Combat Club and all that stuff. Um and it's a cool story because he was associated with best friends and he was trained by Chuck Taylor and orange Cassidy, like in real life and stuff. So like there's, there was a lot of cool backstory for me in that match alone last night between OC and in And then I thought the match itself completely delivered. I thought it was a great in-ring match um, in orange Cassidy getting the win with that. Um, and it took everything. He hit the, the orange punch kick out hit the beach break, kick out. And then as Yuta's getting up on one knee, he hits like like the kneeling version of the of the orange punch for the three count. And it looked brutal. Like I, I thought it was... And then the story within the story with Claudio, like you mentioned, like kind of disciplining Yuta throughout as well. I, I, I thought this the opening match was a gigantic win. Like I, I, thought, I thought everything about it was really good. It did a really good job progressing everyone's stories going forward. And it continued to establish Orange Cassidy um as one of the best champions in AEW, in my opinion he's having one of the best runs of matches of anybody in the company kind of quietly um ever since his match with will osprey really all of his matches have been great and he's really lending a lot of credibility or adding a lot of credibility to the uh to the all Atlantic championship so uh, this is that's why i wanted to spotlight this this match today i, th- I thought everything about this worked really well and it, and it was all really it just it was really well done and it, it advanced a lot of stuff I think ROH is in a lot of trouble because all of their champions keep losing to AEW talent on AEW television. That's very troublesome. Uh, in all seriousness, I think Orange Cassidy has been legitimately one of the best things about AEW for a while now. He's not always involved, and that's what I did like about this Yuta match is there was a lot more to the story of it than just like Orange Cassidy being nonchalant about everything and like, oh, I got a title defense. Okay, cool. Like there was more history and you pointed out with Yuta best friends and everything. There's more history to this match, which gave it more emotion, uh, which made it even better. But Orange Cassidy on just a performance level has been one of the best things in AEW. I, I, I liked Orange Cassidy from his, from his indie stuff as well and was excited when he got signed. And for the most part, I've, I've enjoyed everything he's done in AEW. But yeah, from just since he's won this title and even going back before that, just the entire feud with Pac, uh, I thought was really, really good and well done. But Orange Cassidy to me has been just one of the most consistent and one of the best things on AEW television. Um, really since, yeah, probably since the Osprey match, I would say that, that's, that's a good call of when it kind of, kind of really started. So I, I really love this match. I thought it was great. It was a great way to, to start the show. I'm interested and I hope there is uh, some good follow-up on this with, with Blackpool Combat Club. I met, I think the follow-up will be more on that side than anything on the best friends, but I do think you can run back Yuta and Orange Cassidy at some point relatively soon. I, I'm not saying the next pay-per-view because that's next week. Um, I don't think, you, I don't know if you want to run it back that soon, but I do think you can run it back after like, 
there's more training with Yuta because I think there's more depth to the Yuta and Blackpool Combat Club story. Like that's what it was supposed to be about is like, let's train this guy and get this guy like hardened and everything. And like, they kind of did it a little bit early on, but th- ever since then, it's just kind of fallen off a little bit. So uh, we'll see where they go with it, but I think you could run it back. And I think Yuta could potentially be the one to to take the title from Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I, I, I think it's possible. I like the idea of another match. I also like the idea of a trios match, uh, like best friends, or even really Danhausen's there too, which makes it a little more difficult. Unless he's going to be more of like a mascot, like you can yeah, do uh, a mascot. You can, can do yeah, a Blackpool. Yeah, Blackpool versus best friends, six man. Yeah, but would be really good. By yeah, the way, Danhausen, last night. Oh, sorry. By the by the way, last night I thought that best friend should have definitely won the the battle royal. Like they're 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 the most underutilized oh, well. tag team in I, it was i like jeff jared i did but like i but chuck and, and trent since day one in aew have been one of the best tag teams most consistent in the company in my opinion their match with santana and ortiz and that 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 parking lot brawl is still one of my favorite matches in the company's history like i i, I love the, the group of best friends and i think dan Housen works really well with cursing people while like he like he's not doing anything but like I've, I've, I've made the comparison to Beverly Hills Ninja where like Chris Farley's running around thinking he's saving people, but his brother's actually following around, like actually doing all the work, but he doesn't know it. Like that's, that's kind of like Dan Housen to me doing his doing cursing people. But like, um, so anyway, my, I, I think the best friends collectively deserve more on the show. Um, so I, I just, whatever they can do to do more for them. If they're not going to be involved in the tag titles, then do more trio stuff with them or something. I mean, I'm with you. I I don't know if they're ever going to be tag team champions, uh, but that that parking lot brawl against Santana and Ortiz will probably also never be tag team champions. I think they missed the boat there. Uh, stands out as definitely one of the best matches in AEW's like early run and during that era of AEW as well. Now let's move on to our other spotlight, Steven Jensen. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Big night this past Saturday night, New Japan battle in the valley uh in not in the co-main event felt like it should have been the main event because it was the match that sold out the arena mercedes monet defeated Kyrie to win the iwgp women's championship the former sasha banks back in the ring for the first time since may of last year looked like she didn't miss a step and she had a great opponent and Kyrie, and it was nice to see her back in the ring. She got a big star presentation, and not only did she get like a big star presentation coming out, she closed the show with Okada. Like she was dancing with Okada. That was a big stamp by New Japan and Okada to put her in that position to to close the show. So it was a Monet making night for Mercedes Monet. Yes, and her new finisher is also called the Mon- Monet Maker, right? That's. Yeah, it looked it. a lot better. You know, they tried it at Hit Wrestle it. Kingdom. Yes. Not on the same page there. Now that they were on the same page, it, it looked clean. It looked good. Yes, it, it, that's which was very important that that, that looked good. If that's going to be your new finishing move, it's you got to hit that clean, um, especially to win the title. So um, I thought the match was very, very good. Uh, it was a great match. I, I and, and the buzz that it created was even uh, even more important, in my opinion, because I my whole timeline – it, you know, was people talking about Mercedes and New Japan, and it was just a huge win for New Japan and you know stardom and women's wrestling and uh, just you know showing how big of a draw Mercedes is for anybody who might have been like skeptical. Uh, she clearly is a massive draw. She draws a ton of she attention. Broke Fight TV for an hour 
Yeah, it was 45 minutes. Game. Oh, yeah. It was very upsetting. Dude, I was so confused because I was watching the uh, Elimination Chamber on one screen, and then I had, I was putting on Battle in the Valley on the other screen, and it was just sitting there frozen, and I was like, what the hell's going on? And then, like, by the time it, like, finally started working, I was like, well, GCW's about to start. So I was like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> so then I eventually watched GCW and, and Battle in the Valley once Elimination Chamber ended. But anyways, yeah, that... That wasn't good. 40, 45 minutes. Also, CM Punk was in the crowd. That drew a lot of attention. Uh, Bailey was in the crowd. So um, big moment for Mercedes. Big moment for, for New Japan. Um, another Just another gigantic win, I think, for everybody involved with, with all of that. It brought a lot of attention, a lot of buzz. And um, that's great that they've got Mercedes as their champion now. Because obviously, he's going to be sticking around for the foreseeable future. So that's that's huge for them and for her, it seems like. She's wrestling again in April. She she has said that. May, it might she might wrestle again before. I don't know, but she has specifically stated she's going to wrestle in Japan in April. Um, again, the the title win and the match was great. If you haven't seen the match, go out yep. of your way to to see it. It's it's fantastic. I've I've said it many times on this show, on other shows. I think Mercedes best wrestler, best female wrestler in America, and I only put the caveat of America. I've not seen like a ton of Joshi stuff, but a lot of people have told me that there are just great Joshi performers that, you know, would hold up just fine in America. Um, but best female wrestler in America and an absolute star, an absolute draw. I don't think WWE did enough with her in that aspect. And this like really, this one proved it cause she sold it out and she added extra to, to new Japan world earlier this year when everyone knew she was going to be part of, of wrestle kingdom. I imagine uh, the buys for, for this show did pretty well, largely off of the back of her and Kyrie. And again, this goes beyond just like, okay, she's a draw and everything. New Japan is putting a lot of faith in her mm-hmm. because a year ago, or so maybe a little over a year ago like they didn't do anything when it comes to women's wrestling they had stardom and they they put stardom matches on like the pre-shows of wrestle kingdom like they were dark matches you couldn't find and then finally i'm pretty sure it was last year uh they had they finally had a stardom match um like on the main show and then of course they did the historic crossover event uh last year and everything this is a big stamp of like she is a new japan talent more more than a star, stardom talent. She's going to be wrestling on New Japan shows. They had her close with Okada. You don't come out and like interrupt Okada's closing speech and everything unless like they're really pushing it, uh pushing you hard. So, she came out there and closed with Okada. So, they're they're stamping her and they have every reason to. I'm sure they're paying her enough money to where yeah, we got to make this worthwhile and everything. But and she she's delivering so far and I think she will continue to deliver when it comes to box office metrics and when it comes to in the ring oh man they only sold i think it was more like 3k but they sold that out on just them their match was the only match announced and they sold that out so i don't i don't care if it's 3k tickets or whatever it is like it was just her sell her and Kyrie selling that thing out they didn't have okada versus tanahashi announced when they sold that thing out it's still hard to move that many tickets you don't see any anybody else moving that many tickets uh, across uh you know in in this position when it comes to that so it's still impressive to me uh also on this show we had jay white and eddie kingston two days before this event they agreed it was going to be loser leaves new japan not just japan eddie kingston won i love this match i thought it was fantastic they completely got me on jay white kicking out after taking like three spinning back fists and the um 
and, and the driver and everything like they and the suplex like they completely got me on that and then you know he did kick out but then eddie kingston put the, the final nail in the coffin with the driver and eddie kingston and when jay white's done in new japan it appears which makes me believe he's going to wwe i feel like he's going to wwe as well i think we talked about it before on the show but like i think that uh he has the he has the best chance to be like the biggest deal, the fastest in the WWE with his youth, his in-ring skill, his look, um, him being new to the WWE audience. They've never seen him before, but he has history with so many of the top people there. Um, you can just you do bullet club feuds when he's when he gets there, just people he's got history with, and you, you I think it'd be great. And he could fill the crowd in with through the, the promos and stuff. Um, I could also see Jay White potentially going to AEW. I think it's possible, but I, I'm I'm way more confident. I really feel like he's heading to WWE. And I'll have to change his finishing move. He won't be able to use the sister Abigail in uh in WWE, but um but I but yeah, I uh another thing that Bray Wyatt's ruined, unfortunately. But uh but uh but yeah, I uh yeah, I I, I think that Jay White's heading to WWE. That, that's my that's my gut feeling. And, and it, it was good he... to see Eddie it was good to see Eddie Kingston get a quality win, by the way, too. It was. It was. I, I missed that guy on AEW television. I don't know what happened to him. Um, Jay White, though, I his New Japan run. I don't know how well like people are going to like put it up there when it's all said and done. But I think he should definitely be remembered as I, I know our, our pal SB3 has said like top five like Gaijin performer in, in New Japan history and like i'm not even gonna argue that like his accomplishments speak for himself the way when he came out the first time as switchblade and like uh confronted okada and that led to the wrestle kingdom match and everything leading taking over bullet club and everything like jay white's run is definitely up there when, when you look back on it um and you know hopefully people people remember how much jay white meant to that promotion when when it's all said and done if he doesn't return or just you know a year from now they remember how much jay white meant to that promotion because his he came back as switchblade people are like who is this what's going on and they pushed him immediately you don't get a match with okada at wrestle kingdom unless they got big plans for you and they had big plans for him and he delivered i I feel he really delivered yeah for sure and he was for people that know like he was like uh he was a young boy like in the system and like went on an excursion so like when he came back as switchblade that's kind of what jeremy's talking about is like he was like reborn as like this main event guy and they hadn't been seen in a while. It didn't go over super well at first. If I remember correctly. No. And then yeah, people but, were like, who the hell is this guy? Huh? Why, yeah. why is this happening? It stuck with him though. And he, uh, did. he paid off. So yeah, yeah. Big time. yeah. And him leading bullet club took them to, to a different level and, you know, traveling and going uh, to different companies and everything that took them to a different level. So Jay white should not be, uh, he should get his, he should get his flowers when it comes to his new Japan run. Let's let's go to our indies spotlight. I'm gonna give a big motherfucking shout out. Not quite indies. We're cheating on this, but uh, former guest of the show, Carl Fredericks, debuted in NXT Level Up, and he is Eddie Thorpe. Uh, the match was fine against Dante Chen. Uh, Carl still looks like he's trying to work uh, WWE style and everything. This name, I ain't feeling this name, Jensen. Eddie Thorpe, uh, WrestleMania yeah. main. Eddie Thorpe? Yeah, I don't know where they came up with this name or like where they come up with most of them. I think it's literally just lists and they just match names. And they're just like, all right, we'll just go with that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I figured for sure you transition right into the GCW spotlight because it's coming right off the gauge talking. But 
Well, but for for um for Freddie Thorpe, yeah, Carl Fredericks. I'm happy he's in the company. I think he's gonna have a really successful WWE run. He doesn't need the NXT level up, but I assume it's just something for him to just stay busy while they figure out what to do with him on like the main NXT show. But given his talent, um, his New Japan run, um, I, I think that I honestly think in his, his look and everything, I think he's going to do really well in the WWE. I really do. I like his finisher a lot, the Impaler DDT. I think he hits it really nice. Um, and he's a guy that like, honestly, given the current landscape of like NXT, he could rise the NXT ranks really quickly, in my opinion. And he's a guy who's TV ready now. Like he could be on Raw or SmackDown. Like right now he's good enough. So like, um, I just think it's cool to see him in the WWE system. And he beat Dante Chen, who's a guy who's like, pretty well established on the NXT or the NXT level of brand. So like, it wasn't like he just went out there and like beat some jobber and like some showcase match. Like he beat a guy who's on the show often. Um, and I thought it was fine for what it needed to be. So yeah, ha- happy to see, to see Carl Fredericks in the WWE. They, they need to change his name again. Eddie Thorpe. I ain't buying it. Nick Gage and Mike Bailey. The talk of this match was the fan kicking Mike Bailey and Bailey not kicking the fan. You get past that and you look at the actual match. I thought it was great. It was nice to see. There were some like gimmick stuff in there. Gage, of course, poured out the door and everything. They largely stayed away from that. Just had like a straight up wrestling match, which you don't see a ton from Nick Gage. But, you know, he's a Bret Hart disciple. Uh, Gage can go in the ring. Mike Bailey, obviously one of the best in the world. This match, it was like a 30-minute match, 35-minute match. And, you know, I hate those long matches. Didn't feel like that. Flew by. I thought this match was great. Anybody who hasn't seen it and you think Nick Gage is just a deathmatch guy, go watch this match and he'll, he'll prove otherwise. Yes. So, and I'm going to be completely honest and people are going to think I'm crazy for this, but this is me personally, what I like in wrestling. On a night, well, on the same night, I saw Mercedes versus Kyrie. I saw Sami Zayn versus oh, Roman Reigns. Oh, Favorite no. match of the night, Speedball May Bailey versus Nick Gage. I love this match for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the reasons being that speedball turned heel immediately like Emil oh he's doing, so good as a heel too it was so smart it was so it was good so smart yeah because as emil's doing their entrance the, the the introductions all he says for speedball is like from montreal quebec canada by the way tough night for quebec uh <laughs> montreal wrestlers because on the same night speedball didn't win the gcw title sammy didn't win the wwe title but um but all he did was announce speedball from it was from montreal and then like you know we know the whole gauge thing the man the king the so it he, Emil's doing his thing. He's giving it to Nick Gage and, <laughs> and Speedball grabs the microphone. He's like, Oh, I see how it is here. Like, okay. So, um, and then he's a heel the whole time. Um, Anissa Barr, who, who got the video that, that went out there about that. She actually DM that to me before she tweeted it. And she was like, Hey, this is what happened off screen. Cause like I, I had kind of asked cause I could see something was going on. Yeah. You could vaguely see it in the background as Gage was getting the door. You could see something mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. So, um, and there were some really like overly touchy fans. Like the GCW's probably got to get better about that. Like some of these guys get way too drunk and they'll like hang on the wrestlers during their entrances. You can tell it makes them uncomfortable. There's a difference between like dapping up Nick Gage and kind of pushing him a little bit because that's part of the act. But then there's like people coming out to the ring and like they can't get to the ring because you're you're laying on them, you know. And, um, so th- I thought the match itself was great. Um, speedball just continues to be probably the best wrestler in the world right now anywhere. And Nick Gage, he's looking better than he's looked in a long time. Like and the more weight that he loses, the better. And not just, I'm not saying you're like weight shaming people. I don't care what you do with your own body, what you want to look like. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me at all, but like for his injury's sake 
it helps to take that extra weight off. Because like with got like hip hip problems and knee problems and stuff, and it help and it hurts him getting around and, and being as agile. Man, if he loses another 10, 15 pounds or whatever, like he I think he's gonna be in like really because he looked good in that match against speedball. Like he was hitting all of his stuff. And we've seen over the year, like if we're being honest, like Gage, he, a lot of weight gain, weight loss, uh, mobility fluctuating over the year, having to rehabilitate himself, get back to the gym with Jordan Oliver, all that stuff. And like, he looked really good in that match with speedball and he could look even better if he just lost a little bit more weight. And I think that's what he's, what he's trying to do. It seems like he's in way better shape right now than he was even just a few months ago. So it's really, really good to see that. Um, more importantly than Nick Gage, the wrestler, I want him as a human being to be all right. Like he means a lot to wrestling and wrestling fans. So, um, and also I need to point out before I get out of here to clock in for the shoot job after the match, also something very important happened. Oh, hell yeah. Nick Gage calls out for his next opponent and it's Masha fucking Slamovich. She comes out, they face off. It's going to be the two of them. I think in just a couple weeks, um, I think it's March 7th. I want to say is their match. Um, March 5th or March, uh, 7th, or March 17th, maybe something like that. Yeah, it can't be March 7th because that's like a Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's it's like March is March 17th, a Saturday. I can't I'll remember. I'll tell you in a second. Keep going. I'll tell you. Um, but anyway, so they're gonna be wrestling for the GCW title. Um, people know this about me. Like, if I could choose five wrestlers in the world to watch right now, anywhere in the world of any gender, Masha Slamovich is on my top five right now. Love Masha. I would love to see Masha win the GCW title, honestly, from Nick Gage. But I don't see it happening because they're they're heading into WrestleMania, heading into the collective. I think Gage will be the champion going into that show. Might even retain retain at the show. I don't know. Um, but um, but yeah. So this this I thought the Speedball versus Gage match ruled, and then I love that they're setting up Masha as the next challenger. It is March seventeenth, uh, by the way. So, so March seventeenth. Yeah, March seventeenth is is Gage and, and Masha. Um, yeah, that's gonna be. That, that's going to be a, a hell of a match. I, I, I do think Gage will win that as well because he's probably going to go into WrestleMania. And Masha signed to Impact. I don't know if they're going to want to put the title. It's going to be great, though. It's going to be great to see Masha. DJ uh, Duke, I will answer this real quick if you want to put that on the screen. DJ Duke yeah. said, you think Masha is beating Mickey Jensen? I do. I think Masha will be the one to beat Mickey James. Really? Not got title. I do. I think she's going to destroy her. I think it's going to be like a Brock Lesnar, um, a John Cena, SummerSlam type match. We're just going to own her. That match is happening tomorrow, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's no. happening in No Surrender. Oh, that's tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Okay, so that yeah, Masha, I think Masha will win the title tomorrow then. All right. That's a very All bold right. prediction. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a clock into work. I didn't realize that was tomorrow already. I got to yes. catch up on impact. Um, But anyway, I'm already late for work. Have a great day, y'all. Uh, subscribe to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast or subscribe to Fightful Select to listen to the Weekender podcast. It's every Sunday. And um, enjoy this interview from Sean Ross Sapp with Kerry Morton. And I will see y'all soon. Have a good one, Jeremy. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the shoot job. Follow Steven Jensen at fight talk underscore on Twitter. Um, yeah. All right. Let's get into our, well, not our interview. Sean Ross Sapp's interview with Kerry Morton. Uh, it was recorded last year. Uh, it was a, a head of like NWA always ready. So it is a little bit old. But uh, unfortunately, again, uh, we're not able to do an interview this week, which is completely on me and, and stuff that, that's going on. And I apologize for that. Uh, we do have, if people do want newer interviews, go to fifeoverbook.com. We have interviews with Billy Starks, 
Joey Janela and Jordan Oliver that were all recorded in the last three weeks. We do have interviews, two weeks actually, uh, do have interviews coming up with Cole Radrick, Yoya, and Starboy Charlie. Those will be dropping fairly soon, probably within the next couple of, within the next week. I'll say. So we do have those interviews coming up. There's no shortage of interviews either. Uh, if you're looking for WWE Elimination Chamber interviews, Joel Pearl talked to Sami Zayn ahead of Elimination Chamber. Joel Pearl also talked to the likes of like Nikki Cross. Uh, I know was definitely one of the interviews that that he did. And uh, who else did he speak to? I completely forgot. That's that's terrible of me. Joel Pearl talked to a bunch of people. No, for some reason they let Joel Pearl talk to people. I don't know why. I don't get it. Uh, but here we go. Here is Sean's interview with Carrie. Oh man, could you imagine? You think we could get Pop Pop Brock on? That'd be so good. Who can we DM? Who can we message for this? Brock doesn't use social media. I don't know if Sable uses social media either. Do you think we should we message like Bray? We can maybe message Bray, but like, hey, can we can we get Pop Pop Brock on this show? I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Working on early morning guy steal. That would be, yeah, Bray. Early morning guy steal, much bigger uh, deal than Pop Pop Rock. Much bigger deal. We'll see. I'll message Bray. I'll see what I can do. All right, everybody. Enjoy this interview with Sean Rossap and Kerry Morton. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, head of NWA, always ready. June 11th. Got an emerging name in the wrestling world. You know the name. It's Morton. This time it's Carrie. Carrie Morton, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm uh, busier than ever right now. You know, school just ended for me for uh, you know summer break from school yeah. university. So I uh, just been on the road, man. I've been trying to make all these towns and make these shows, and uh, I get better and better every day as I keep on going on. So where do you where do you go to college at? If you're comfortable sharing that, no, I I, I'm cool with it. I, I go to uh, King University. It's, okay. it's a D two university in Bristol, Tennessee, which we uh, are recently uh, big time national champs for oh, cheerleading. Nice. I just got a ring. Uh, I I had it. I'm in the guest bedroom right now in our little office. As you can tell all this yeah. wrestling ability behind me, but uh, it's in my other room. But I have the big nice ring, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to show it off. It's an awesome accomplishment. I'm a collegiate cheerleader. And, uh, man, that's just what a, what a time it's been. How do you find that that helps you within the pro wrestling world? Because, I mean, uh, it's it, there's there's a lot of crossover there with the athleticism, obviously. Right. So I'm telling you, the, the most part is really just, I think, balance. Learning how to uh, – all these wrestlers want to try these new crazy spots. I'm all for it. You know, me being young as I am, I love doing crazy and full – stuff where I'll throw someone above my head and try to spin them into a hurricane off the top rope or something. I did that with AJ Gray, which was yeah. not a good disaster. But anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> so it's really cool. You know, it's, it's helped me a lot with technique, uh, learning how to spot someone, learning how to pose, uh, also kind of getting my acrobatic skills up a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between both of them. So it just all kind of depends on uh, which way you want to look at the perspective of the sport. So uh, I mentioned NWA always ready. You were in tag team action. Uh, I, I saw you last year, and I knew you had signed with NWA. How has that been for you so far? Oh, man, it has been uh, so exciting. I am actually – so nice thing, I'm not actually on an exclusive contract with NWA. Okay. Um, I'm just on kind of as a pay appearance contract, um, and which is great. You know, Billy's very supportive of that too, just because – 
Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a collegiate cheerleader. NCAA athletes can now get paid, um, mm-hmm. which is wonderful for us athletes <laughs> being a broke college student. Uh, it, it's great. So, but uh, I, I love the NWA. I, I'm thrilled to be there. I, you know, I'm kind of continuing the legacy of where my dad got his start and where my grandfather, uh, you know, kind of got hit his groove in the professional wrestling industry too. So it's a circle of life and it's beautiful. I, I really love the product of NWA. I love what we stand for, uh, wrestling the way it should be. It's a big moniker that Billy always kinds of pounds it in people. So, guys, we're no, we're, uh, be genuine and uh, go out there and put on a show and show the wrestling fans, uh, give them their money's worth. You mentioned uh, collegiate athletes being able to get the, the NIL deals. Uh, what, what year are you in in college now? So I just finished my sophomore year, so I have okay. two more years of university. So. so when you were in high school, that didn't even look like it was a possibility. Not even a possibility at all. Uh, you know, kind of, it was crazy the day it was announced because I was actually, the day it was announced that like NIL contracts can go on and all that good sorts. I was on a plane coming out from an independent wrestling show up north and uh, all my friends in this group chat were texting me like, dude, we can get paid now. And yeah. I, you know, I have a little thing with Future Legend uh, Apparel, which if you see my wrestling girl at the time, it says Future Legend Apparel. Um, it's a great little guy. It's a great company. Uh, they stand for a lot of monikers, but you know, now that I, I can get endorsed by them and I can proudly represent them and put them on my social media pages and, and uh, you know, say like, hey, I, I, I'm a paid athlete now. Like, how exciting is that? You know, although it's not a lot, it's still super exciting to say, hey, like, you know, this is a really cool and uh, exciting time in, in life. I know. And I, I know a lot of our, our viewers might not keep up with collegiate sports, but I mean, this was a big deal. I, I remember... Ten years ago, one of my college papers was on pay-for-play, the idea of being, being paid for this. And as I was gaining information for this paper, I was with Kenneth Farid, who is an NBA player now. Yeah. He was signing curly fry holders at this restaurant. And then when he got up to the counter, he's like, I don't have money on my card. And I just realized it. And I was like, oh, do you want me to get this? And he's like, I think it's an infraction if you do. He's like, I'm not sure you're allowed to. And I would like in the in the course of doing that paper, there was a friend of mine who, who was on a Froyo poster. She had to be pulled from that, or else she was going to be declared ineligible from D1 soccer. So the ability no. to do this now, Jeff Hardy was kicked off his high school wrestling team because he popped up on WWE TV. And <laughs> I didn't they, know that. Are yeah, you serious? Yeah, he wow. said he said that his wrestling coach kicked him off his high school wrestling team because he's like, oh, you're doing professional wrestling. And Jeff's like, that's not what this is, buddy. Like, it's not the same. So to be able to just throw all that out the window is, like, wonderful for a person uh, your age, obviously. But I love hearing, like, the cheerleading background, too. Because, I mean, the athleticism involved in that is just unreal. But athleticism is something you've been around pretty well your whole life. Being Being the son of Ricky Morton, at what point did you go... I'm going to wrestle. It's, it's what I'm going to do. I, I feel like my whole life has been involving to the day I was going to step foot in the ring. You know, when I, I was in school, I, I amateur wrestled. And I happened mm-hmm. to win a state championship at that. And then I did professional theater right before I even stepped in the professional awesome. wrestling ring. I did professional theater. I toured of musicals. There were some posters in the background, as you can tell, too. Just some. some. There's They're all over this guest bedroom. So I hate that anyone's going to stay the night. They're going to read a little story <laughs> of their life. But... Uh, I, I, I did so many. I did the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was one of the last big tours I finished before my contract came to an end in the, uh, when I was in high school. So 
and, you know, it was all kind of involving my dad, my mom, uh, which, you know, I'm so fortunate to have good parents that look out for me. They, they got me involved in uh, acting and sports and vocal lessons and going to gymnastics or like a gymnastics gym of some sort, just to kind of, uh, I guess, looking at the bigger picture of me, you know, one day, hopefully becoming a, a successful professional wrestler in this industry and making a name for myself and hopefully making a good amount of money and, and enjoying my career, my, my love for this, this industry. And obviously, I mean, being the son of Ricky Morton opens up a lot of doors, but it also sets really high expectations right out of the gate. I know with, with positivity, there comes detractors as well. How do you sort of manage that and manage those expectations being so young in general, but young in the sport? Well, that's a good question, Sean. You know, a lot of people, yeah, they always look at is like, okay, you know, uh, and especially speaking from a generational standpoint of a wrestling perspective, you know, I talked to these other guys, Brian Pillman, uh, you know, Kobe uh, Carino, uh, there, there's a bunch of names that come to mind right now, but I, you know, I'm just saying that everyone expects us to be our fathers and that's something that we can't do unnecessarily. We have to make a, a career choice for ourselves. You know, I'm not afraid to talk in the microphone. I'm not afraid to jump in front of the spotlight and speak my opinion. And uh, quite frankly, I can't wait for the day to get the opportunity to do more so. But right now, I'm just trying to uh, get an edge on this, this sport, meet people, uh, find new people, meet connections, you know, getting leads to go other places, the independent shows, and just simply get better. You know, I watch a lot of my dads, and, and my dad has a great moniker of being possibly, quite frankly, the best baby face in all professional wrestling, which is simply one of the greatest compliments ever, especially from someone that admires this sport. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough, but I'm also just trying to create my own stone. You know, I'm trying to put my writing in the own stone this time and uh, also showing the edge to my father uh, and then kind of doing the, uh, kind of having his and mine in between. Yeah, rarely does it seem like when someone tries to be exactly like their parent, does it work? And I wouldn't say that Charlotte's exactly like Ric Flair, but the, the influences are very heavy, but that's a gender switch too. She's a woman applying a lot of those characteristics, so it doesn't seem exactly like ripoff or something like that. It just seems like, well, she is her, her father's daughter type of thing. You don't see that as much in wrestling. Like the Rock is so much different than Rocky Johnson, and All right. like he was, he was such a success. And Randy Orton is so much different from Bob Orton. Like they, they've got some of the same traits, but they're they're so different. Are there things that you do to intentionally set yourself apart? Like maybe you do share some of those characteristics, but you're yeah. like, I'm gonna act a little bit different because I don't want people to say. Oh, Ricky. I, I, I do. And, you know, my dad and Robert and a bunch of the older wrestlers that I talk, I still keep really good in contact with Dennis Condry, uh, mm -hmm. Jimmy Cornette. I, you know, he's on me all the time. He watches my tapes. He'll send me a clip. He'll ask me what the hell I was doing uh, <laughs> wrestling at some show, so and so, but whatever. That's the part of it. But, you know, they always tell me that your dad was always that young and hungry baby face, which is great. But me, I'm afraid. I'm not afraid to speak my mind, and I'm a little cocky. I'm a little confident. I'm not afraid to show that, and that's something I think that definitely kind of shows shares a part from my father coming from the underdog perspective and knowing me, which I, I'm smaller in this business compared to a lot of other guys. But I'm not necessarily the underdog. I know what I have. I know what I'm capable of, and I know what I can bring to the table. Uh, and that's something that I'm not afraid to show in the microphone or tell you know tell the promoters or tell 
uh, a fan that, hey, listen, this is just because, uh, you know, I'm Ricky's son doesn't mean I can make my own uh, make my own name for myself. You mentioned uh, being on a non-exclusive contract that ended up paying off in a way you popped up on MLW. Right. And wrestled Devon Eriks, who, you know, what what a similar path. Uh, man, that that's like a, a common sense booking right there. Like they're around, you're around. Why not do that? That was sweet, man. The Von Erichs, those guys are uh, such a such a fun time. I think when my first, you know, it's my first encounter meeting them that the day of the show, and uh, they were super like jet lagged. You know, they're left in Hawaii, so like they flew in the day of the show. Like it was crazy their their trip, and just to go on there and wait the long show of MLW um, to main event the show, which was awesome as a debut appearance, the main event. Major League Wrestling. Uh, so what? A, what those guys were great, and you know, I, I happened to uh, reach back out to those guys and say, "Hey, it like works out in NWA. I'd love to come back, and uh, I'm ready to just kind of keep on growing in this business." But uh, if it's not, that's not the case because you know, right now I, I love where I'm at professional wrestling, and I'm growing. I feel as a human being and a wrestler, um, and I'm learning kind of like what works for me. And you know, I have so many great locker room leaders. Uh, just a few that comes to mind, Nick Audis, uh, which is a great guy. He, he loves what I'm doing, and he's really high on me right now, and I'm very thankful for that. And then, you know, Thomas Vladimir, what a genius he is in the wrestling ring. Uh, and, and Al, you know, he has a great mind for this business. Billy Corgan, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, I would say I haven't had many bosses in this early career. I had theater bosses and directors and stuff, but what a boss Billy is, you know, he, he – he has such a, a great mind for this business, and I love hearing his stories uh, and love hearing what he's going to bring to the table and, and his vision and uh, trying to make it come to life. So I could ramble on and on. My bad. I'm just talking. <laughs> no, no. I love it. That's what we're here for. So when was your first match? So my first match was actually so my first official match. I had a few matches at the school of Morton, which sure. is my dad's wrestling school. But that was just kind of like thrown in the mix, get out there. So I wouldn't even t- count we like count those as professional wrestling matches. But my first legitimate match when I made my debut in professional wrestling was uh, March 13th of 2020, which was literally a week and a half before the pandemic actually started. <laughs> oh, man. So it was crazy. It was such a scenario. But I was in high school. as my senior year of high school. about to go on spring break. Um, that like It was that Friday is when I wrestled. Uh, I go to Winston-Salem for AML Wrestling, uh, which, you know, runs WrestleCade and all that good stuff. And yep. I love those guys. Love WrestleCade. And they've been such a tre- – oh, man, me too. It's where we met. Been such- yeah, it's exactly <laughs> where we met. I-, I was just thinking that. I was like, that's where I met you yeah. at. And, man, I mean, those guys are great, they're though. They're, they're really cool. They help me get involved uh, and help me kind of make a name for myself early on in the independent circuit. So I, I got my start there, and I went. I wrestled. I think uh, it was either Zane Dawson. I think it was Zane Dawson of the Dawson Bros, which are two badass big men in the Very Carolinas. Good. That independent wrestling promoters that are listening to this, you need to book those gentlemen. But uh, give them a little shout out because you know that's what I would love for. But anyways, those guys. Uh, I wrestled them, and it was such a great success. And the wrestling world is high. And my my dad just put on his and social medias that I was officially started my wrestling career and my schedule was booked immediately like i was it was three months ahead of time and then overnight the pandemic began and uh (laughs) everything one by one it was like a day's time and every single booking within that day span was just completely gone so i went back to the books man i i but it was 
I was fortunate in a way because I went back to the books. And uh, although I watched wrestling, when I did have my first official match, I watched wrestling in a different perspective. I watched it knowing, like, what can I do in this situation? Or, or how can I make my opponent look better in that situation? So that was a, that was a really kind of come-to-life moment right there. I was like, all right, this is what I, I need. I needed this time to get better. Yeah. So you, you've had the, in just those two years, the ability to wrestle some pretty interesting names. Enzo cutting a promo on you. <laughs> Explain to me <laughs> what's, what's that, what that's like for you. Uh, I mean, Enzo and I, we've had our battles. Uh, I'm not afraid to smack the hell out of him, and he kind of knows <laughs> that. He's not afraid to smack the hell out of me either. I think that's why he likes me, because yeah. Colonel Cody said, kid, you got balls out there. <laughs> and I said, thanks, so I appreciate it. He's like, I never wrestled someone that I called a spot to in the ring, and he said no. <laughs> that's funny. He called something to me, and I was like, Enzo, that's a little crazy. And I in the ring, I've been wrestled. What was uh, it? What was the spot, if you don't mind sharing? It was kind of like, I'm going to do something. He's like, I'm going to go to the top rope, turn around, and catch me. And I was like, and I, here I am in the chair. I was like, all right, cool. And then I just looked at him, and I said, no, keep me in the head. <laughs> and he, like, he kicked the shit out of me after that. But I, you know, like I said, I, I'm just kind of looking up for my best interest. It was in the heat of the moment. This a building was so hot. Yeah. I, I can't exaggerate. I mean, it was so hot. We're all sweating the hell out of each other. We're going 20 minutes. I mean, legit, it's it's a it's a uh, an army, and it's it's jam packed. They all came to watch Enzo. Uh, it's kind of my first moniker, playing a hill. Yeah. Uh, and I just told him no. <laughs> I was like, no, we're not doing that, damn it. And so he told me I had balls. Uh, which he likes me, and I, I'm, I'm fortunate. I was going to actually wrestle Enzo June 11th at ASW in uh, West Virginia, Beckley, West Virginia, for uh, Steve New and Gary Danron, and they're a great promotion and a great state. But uh, unfortunately, NWA called, and that's my obligation right now. So I yeah. said, hey, guys, I, I have to make this occurrence, but I, I really, really am bummed out I can't be there, but I'll make it up in the future. You also, a couple other names that, that I see that you've worked. Uh, Davey Richards, Shane Douglas, Mike Bennett, the Spanish announced team, the Maximos, who yes. who I just reported last week got a tryout to be the Spanish announced team in MLW, like the actual Spanish announced team, which is great. No joke. Yeah. Happy for those guys. That's yeah. awesome, man. So, I mean, you're wrestling a lot of these people that have decades and decades of experience and categorically different styles. Shane Douglas don't wrestle like the SAT. Uh, Davey Richards does not wrestle like Mike Bennett, so you are getting a taste of a little bit of everything. You know, that's that's funny that you say that, too. Um, one of the best compliments I think I've received so far in this career, and I, I received this from the SATs, and also Shane Douglas and a couple other veterans, George South, the Barbarian, um, Tommy Rich. I love that Barbarian's uh, still working. I love it. Bro, he is so crazy good. Like, Barb. And like, what is what's so humbling is you know Barb knows my father, and yeah. you know Barb is the veteran in the ring. You let him call the spots. Same with George South. When you get in the ring, you don't you don't talk. You just listen. You just listen to them. <laughs> and I think one of the coolest like moments that I realized that I'm doing something right in this business is when I stepped in the ring with Barbarian, and we're about five minutes in, and I'm just selling my ass off for him. Um, and he, he's beating up on me, and the crowd's going wild. You know, we're in the South. It's a little bit di- wrestling's a little bit different here. And he looks at me and he said, "You're a night off, kid. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's awesome." They, and he calls me Moto, which is my nickname, Moto. 
And he said, and Barb, as a, as a, a, a axe, heavy accent, he said, you're a night off, Moto. You're a night off. And <laughs> it was the best compliment ever. And, and George South, I'm in the ring with him. And, uh, and, and Shane Douglas, for instance, too. And, and they, they're allowing me to call the spots. They're like, That's listen, awesome. that, that's, uh, wow. Like, it's this crazy moment to think, like, these guys are wanting me to call the spots for them to do. Like, that's in, in the ring, in the, in the midst of the moment. They're like, hey, you do this now. It's what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, and then, you know, when you get to the back and, and your emotions and the adrenaline runs down, you're like, wow, like they just allowed me to call like spots them in the ring and they did the spots and they loved it. And uh, it was just like, you know, it, it's like it's a pat on the back sometimes. Like, hey, you know what? You're doing something right. Damn it. You're doing something right. Want to know what's the toughest bump you've taken so far? The one where you felt you felt Ooh. it. So that, that was the Tracy Smothers Invitational. And it was uh, me and AJ Gray uh, from yeah. GCW. We are, he, he has me. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, quite frankly. I think this is like the third match in. I had four matches that night. I'm a little gassed. Uh, cheerleading season's in its highest right now. So like, I'm eating like 4,000 calories a day to oh, wow. like 4,000 to just to kind of maintain my weight and hit the reps. And I'm bloated as ever, uh, which is, you know, I'm not afraid to admit I was bloated at the time. And like, I was just like, it's, it's cheerleading. I had to, I had to endorse like mm -hmm. what we were going through. And he calls a spot and it's a suplex off the top rope, but he's going to maintain the suplex for like the longest time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, when you come down, He's gonna I'm gonna hit your head out and you're gonna cross body me from the suplex. Yeah. And I'm like, oh dude, that's sweet. Let's do it. And AJ, I didn't realize how much he was gonna sweat during that match. And he is one <laughs> sweaty son of a bitch, bro. And I'm telling him, like, AJ, we should change this up real quickly. He's like, No, let's do it. And he's so strong. Like he doesn't he even is. know his damn he doesn't know his own strength, quite frankly. And he puts me on the top rope and he just I, I don't even have like leverage. He just lifts me. And like when we come down for the cross body, my like knees hit the mat so hard. I thought oh, no. I, I blew my knees out. No, knock on this desk. That didn't happen. But holy shit, what a pain. Uh, jarred it through <sighs> me. That hurt so bad. I went through a table a few times too. Yeah. But like that that was like hitting your knees. is like stuff like stepping on a bunch of Legos, but 10 times as more. It just oh, yeah. hurts so bad. <laughs> so, so that's probably one of the most painful experiences that come to mind. Man, you got a lot more in store. Like, it ain't always going to be a night off, you know what I mean? Oh, man, it ain't always going to be a night off. I know that. I worked my ass off that <laughs> night. It was, it was a cool moment, though. We got NWA always ready June 11th. I don't think the match is completely set yet as we film this. Um, I think – I believe it's a three-way, correct? It's a three-way. It's, it's AJ Kazana uh, yeah. and a mystery opponent of some sort that, go. quite frankly, I, I don't know who it is. Uh, <laughs> no – even – you know, I don't really talk to the competitors much often, but uh, no one knows. No one is given. And, you know, it's cool. That's the, that's the part about professional wrestling is my dad and I, we don't know what to prepare for. We're wrestling the fixtures yeah. as well, which is two big-ass dudes in NWA that have uh, been causing a little trouble recently. Yeah. And we want to put a stop to them. So that's for sure, you know. What if they bring in Robert Gibson as the mystery partner? You know, that'd be kind of wild. That would uh, – <laughs> That'd be a shock. I feel like just not only to the NWA uh, audience or the uh, boys in the back, but I think to the wrestling world. That'd be kind of wild. I mean, Robert Gibson. 
We've seen like Dax and Cash go up against each other, you know, a, a little bit here and there. So right. I think I think that'd be cool since they've they've sort of announced like this is them wrapping up their their tag team run. I think that'd be a cool touch, even if not there somewhere. I think that'd be that'd great. Be, that'd be honestly really cool. I think the last time they wrestled each other was uh, like WCW. I believe WCW they did a little thing when my my father turned heel for a little time because Bobber. Uh, got into an injury, and then they mm-hmm. came back and went straight on to Smoky Mountain from there. So, yeah, I think so. I think they actually wrestled each other on an independent show in, like, 2004. Wow. Because the rest of the boys – this is a funny story I hear my dad talk about all the time, that the boys were so bad that Robert and Ricky were going to wrestle yeah. that they ended up throwing them out of the ring and wrestling each other. <laughs> But I mean, like, yeah, if you're like, if you're at an indie show and that is like your impromptu main event, you're like, oh my god, I get to see something special here. Like, I, and I think that'd be a, a fitting way to kind of get into this. I mean, your dad's still at it, and he's even said he's like, oh, this doesn't mean I'm retiring. This just means like the tag team we're going to the last tag team run. Has there ever been a point where you're like, dad, wrap it up, wrap it up? No, it's I, my time. I've been thinking of that too, but honestly, my man. You know, he my dad's so happy. Uh, yes. His spark, his, his love for wrestling, like, blew up a couple years ago. I think it started back at Joey Janela's spring break when they uh, wrestled Santana and Ortiz, and, uh, Ortiz, excuse me. And they, they just, like, he blew up a wrestling emotion once more, and he absolutely adores this professional wrestling industry. And, uh, you know, and... and the, Father time is catching up, but my father, you know, he gets up every day at six o'clock in the morning. He's off to the gym. He, he's not back until about nine. From there, he's taking the dogs on the walk or he's doing some business in his office of some sort. And, and then he's watching tape and he, he's in a production call of NWA or he's talking about some independent bookings or he's talking of Roberts. I mean, he just he loves it. And I'm not going to I'm not the one to tell my father, like, hey, man. You got to stop. But at some yeah. point, we've been talking about it recently. He, uh, one of his big things he was being an agent for a big wrestling organization, including the NWA, which is sure. something he's kind of jumping into. But he's also, as of now, a free agent. So yeah. my dad can do a little bit of it all. And that's what I'm happy for him. He has a couple other adventures. He's wanting to start a coffee company. He's been wow. really kind of high on. He's been talking to some people about that. So, uh, no, you know, and Robert's on the other end, the farewell tour is coming towards the end and nothing against Robert. He's family and I love him. But, you know, they, my dad is always big on giving fans their money's worth. And, and Robert is just kind of beat up now. Uh, his knees hurt a lot. His hips are pretty, pretty uh, getting kind of bad at the moment. So, you know, it, it's just a part right now of like, hey, Robert, hey, Robert, I, you need to you need to sit down sometime. You know, it's time to kind of sit down, wind down a little. Let's do this farewell tour. Let's give the fans their money's worth once more, and uh, let let's go focus on something else in the wrestling industry. I, I admire like all the different names they're facing too. Like one week it's like Lance Archer and Mister Hughes. The next week it's like, well, here's Barry Horowitz. Here's the SAT. Like every <laughs> week, like they're in there with somebody wild. They love it. They even like that's one of the things when they call promoters like who do we have us against? Like we want to wrestle like some crazy people, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, you do. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh NWA always ready, June eleventh. If somebody was on the fence about ordering this show, what would you tell them, Carrie? 
uh, listen, this is a show that if you're looking for the old school feel of professional wrestling at its finest, uh, and not necessarily sports entertainment, you know, there's a little yeah. difference. And that's what I love about the NWA is, don't you're wrong, I'm a sports entertainer. I'm a proud to admit that I am an entertainer. I come from the entertainment industry. But this is professional wrestling. You're not necessarily going to see high spot after high spot after high spot. You're going to see grounded pound wrestling, storytelling, professional wrestling. Uh, and that's something that if that's your, that's your piece of cake, then this is a show that you need to buy. This is a show that you should get and watch and devour into. Sit down uh, in your recliner or your sofa of some sort. Uh, get a bag of munchos, which is my favorite chip, and, and, <laughs> and enjoy wrestling as the way it should be. Uh, I, I'm really high right now in the NWA. I love the vision that we're going, and I know there's some big plans in the future. And uh, I'm just trying to buckle up, get ready for these, because I, I want the wrestling fence to come along. Well, guys, check it out. NWA always ready June 11th. I get the feeling this won't be the last time I talk to Kerry Morton. Uh, I think we're going to be talking an awful lot over the next few decades. <laughs> I mean, maybe four decades based on, on your your genetics. I don't know about that long, but I won't say. I, that's like a marketing major right now. I don't want to oh. be in that business that long. <laughs> Kerry Morton, thank you so much. Sean, I appreciate you having me on the air. Thank you. Until next time, guys, we're out. Thank you to Sean Rossap and Carrie Morton for uh, lending that interview to us this week. We will be back next week with a, a new interview with somebody, somebody from the world of wrestling, whether it be an actual wrestler or a manager or a promoter or something like that, or a content creator. We'll be back next week with somebody. Guys, we appreciate the love, the support, everything we do here at Fightful. Apparently, we have Fightful Sluts uh, as a thing. That Sean has said, please don't attribute that to me, please. I don't want to get any type, any type of uh, trouble. All right, anyway, uh, we appreciate the love and support here at Fightful. Uh, head over to Fightful.com. We got new, keep up with the news, uh, different different, different types of things going on all day, every day at Fightful. Head over to, keep it locked here, I guess, to YouTube.com slash Fightful. Subscribe to the Fightful podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Head over to Fightful Overbooked. We have new content every single day over up on Fightful Overbooked. We have live shows nearly every single day on Fightful Overbooked, including Mondays. We have Tag Talk with Kylie and a special guest right now. Uh, Tuesdays, we have FMC with myself and SB3. We don't talk any wrestling. We talk about MILF Manor. Everyone go support my love for MILF Manor. Uh, Wednesdays, we have New Japan Bread Club. Thursdays, we have Indeed uh, with Mike and Righteous Reg. Fridays, we have Coexisting with Rob and Maggie. Saturdays is Newsworthy with myself and Joel Pearl. And Sundays is uh, Call It in the Ring with Tim, Joel, and Kate plus eight. Uh, that's on Sunday. So again, new shows every single day. Plus the, the Twitch streams are up there. I do a bunch of different stuff videos and whatnots on there as well everyone go to fightfuloverbooks.com please subscribe please leave us a thumbs up things of that matter you can also uh, search for fightful overbooked on the podcast platforms and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform twitch.tv slash fightful gaming i play retro wrestling games on there i'm in the middle of playing legends of wrestling uh that's up on twitch.tv slash fightful gaming i try to play at least once a week uh, playing some games I played yesterday. I'm going to try to play again tomorrow. So if you like me, which thanks. Uh, or if you like retro wrestling video games, uh, you can go to twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. 
and check those out. New episode of Day After Dynamite is today at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern right here on this channel with Will Washington and a special guest, and I'm sure I will be making my run in on that. Guys, thank you again. Uh, thank you to Steven Jensen as he is here every single week covering the world of wrestling with me. Don't follow me on Twitter. Please keep following Steven Jensen on Twitter at Fightalk underscore. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye, everyone. Enjoy your Thursday.